Good morning once again, and once again, happy Mother's Day to your moms out there this morning. If you if you need a Bible before we get started, just raise your hand, and Stuart will bring one right to your seat so you can follow along with us. Normally, we would be in Second Peter chapter three, starting in verse ten. Second Peter three ten says this: But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So I tried to think of a Mother's Day study that would go with that verse. <laughs> the wrath of mom or, or uh, moms that make a great noise or, or when moms melt elements with fervent heat or moms that are burnt out. I, I don't know. So I said, you know, we're not even going to go there this morning. So next week we'll look at. Second Peter chapter 3, and we'll look at uh, the Lord's return and, and uh, really the end of the world as, it, as it's laid out there for us. But this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. We're going to be looking at verses 21 through 28 this morning. Gospel of Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. And the title of my study is A Mom's Lesson in Faith. Starting in verse 21. We read, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, A woman, great is your faith, let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Lord, to be in your word, to celebrate this day where we honor moms and and we do do that today, Lord. But we know, Lord, that you have something to say to all of us here. And we uh, praise you for that. And we pray, Lord, that we would have open hearts, open ears to receive all that you have for us. Lord, we pray that you are lifted up this morning. We pray for just the teachings going on downstairs with our children as they're taught your word during this time as well. That you would just touch their hearts as you touch our hearts this morning. We also pray, Lord, if there's anyone here downstairs or upstairs, that doesn't have a relationship with you. Lord, that they would hear the truth, the love that you have for them, and they would turn to you today and commit their hearts and lives to you. We thank you for this time together. We commit it to you. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, you probably all heard of the Urban Dictionary. I found one, one called a Mother's Dictionary, and it's a words that you know we've all heard before, but just defined in a little different way. See if you can identify with some of these. This, the first one is a dumb waiter. You know the old elevator things? But for mom's dictionary, it's one who asks if the kids would care to order dessert. That's a dumb waiter. How about family planning? The art of spacing your children the proper distance apart to keep you on the edge of financial disaster. Feedback. The inevitable result when your baby doesn't appreciate the strained carrots. But full name, what you call your child when you're angry at him. Who done it? None of the kids that live in your house. 
Grandparents, definition, the people who think your children are wonderful even though they're sure you're not raising them right. Ow. The first word spoken by children with older siblings. Puddle, definition, a small body of water that draws other small bodies wearing dry shoes into it. Show off, a child who is more talented than yours. Sterilize, what you do to your first baby's pacifier by boiling it and to your last baby's pacifier by blowing on it. A couple more. Top bunk, where you should never put a child wearing Superman pajamas. Finally, two-minute warning, when a baby's face turns red and he begins to make those familiar grunting noises. Any of those hit home? Listen, no one on earth has a more influential or powerful role than a mother. No political, no military, education, or religious figure can begin to compare with the impact that a mom has on her family, on her kids. And I truly believe that we, we have to have a Mother's Day if just to only say thank you. You know, thanks, Mom, for all that you do, all that you uh, did, all that you will continue to do. But I know this, on Mother's Day, for some, it can be a very painful day for a number of reasons. Possibly your mom, like, like my mom, has gone home to be with the Lord, and you miss her. I always enjoy having the dreams where, where I'm dreaming about my mom, and she's like there, and we're talking, and it's like, oh, man, I wake up. Man, it was so good to see her. It makes me think, oh, I just can't wait till I'm in heaven. I can just sit down and just, just, just go on and for eternity and, and share and talk with her. So Mother's Day can be hard because maybe your mom's not here. Maybe um, it can be painful because, uh, you know, there could be some mothers here that are hurting because your children haven't followed in the ways of the Lord. Or some moms who realize that they have not followed the Lord in raising their children. Maybe there's been a lot of hurt between your relationship with you and your mom over the years. Mother's Day may be hard because for so long you've wanted to, to be a mom. You wanted to have children, but it just hasn't happened yet. Let me talk about that just for a moment. It's been estimated that one out of every eight couples cannot uh, bear children in this country. 12% of the adult populations are infertile. That's 7.3 million Americans. They've gone to the doctors. They, 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 they've been prayed for. They've had been anointed with oil. No child. And so for them, many times, Mother's Day is not a really a happy day for them. They're, they're happy to celebrate you know, with others, but there's, there's that tinge of a burden that they, care because they're, they carry because they're unable to bear children. They want it so badly, but they can't have children. Now, I want to uh, tread carefully here, but I, but I believe this. Childbearing is a part of the sovereignty of God. It's all in His hands. And I don't know why some families can have children and others can't. I don't know why there are so many pregnant teenagers while couples who really want to have children are unable to, to have them in many cases. But I do know this. That your value to God is not based on your ability to reproduce. God loves you because He created you in His image and that you are of great value to Him whether you can produce a child or not. And I also want you to know that you're not alone. In fact, if you are unable to have children, you are part of a long list of, of godly women, women of faith who are in the same condition. You have Sarah, Abraham's wife, was infertile. You have Rebecca, Isaac's wife, Rachel, Jacob's other wife, Ruth, the wife of Boaz. Their first marriage was unable to produce children. Elizabeth, the John, John the Baptist's mother, infertile. And if you notice that list there in Scripture, most childless women are often the righteous women, the matriarchs of the faith, women, women of great faith, while many of those who can easily conceive were not so righteous. 
So it doesn't mean that if you have children, you're a better person or you're godlier than someone else. And if you're unable to, to bear children, you're not. It doesn't mean you're cursed. It means you are kept. That's what it means. You're reserved for other blessings. Now, now I can think of a few. Just hear me out. Number one, God may still be preparing you for that right time and that, that right child to be a parent. You know, just because the doctor says you're unable to have a child doesn't mean that you're unable to have a child. Our God is bigger than that. Secondly, he may be preparing you to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent. There's, there's more kids needing parents out there than parents wanting children. So it's available to you. So you would maybe not have had that thought until this has come into your life. And number three, here's a possibility. He may just want you available for a very specific work that having children would, would preclude. That is, it would be very difficult for that special calling God has on your life if you were to have children. My point is this, whatever the situation is for you this Mother's Day, we need to understand that God understands. God understands that God cares and God has something to say to each one of us this morning, not just moms, as we look to his word. Yes, mothers play a key role in God's whole design for the family, which in turn affects society, the nation, and the world. And we need to have a Mother's Day. Again, not only to say thanks, uh, but what many mothers need is what, is what all of us need from time to time. And that is a clear vision. A clear vision. Because I think we can often get short-sighted and miss the big, big picture as to what we're really doing and what really matters most. And oftentimes God will use some sort of tragedy or big trial in our lives to get our attention to help us to see a bigger picture of what's going on. Help us to see what really matters. That's what I want to look at this morning. This tragedy. This mom had to face that caused her to, to see the big picture and to even grow deeper in her faith. It was F.B. Meyer who once said, It is not the quantity of faith, but the quality of faith that is important. A grain of mustard seed and a pellet of dust are similar in appearance, but the difference is immense. The one who has no life burning at the heart of it, while the other contains life as God kindled it, faith that has in it the principles of life is a faith with God in it. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, a mother's faith. In fact, if you're taking notes, we're going to see three points this morning. Number one, a mother's faith. Number two, a mother's trust. And number three, a mother's reward. Now again, these just don't apply to moms. These apply to, to all of us this morning. Number one, a mother's faith. Look at verse 21. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, Jesus had just been in the area of Capernaum where he had just had this intense uh, discussion, discourse with the religious leaders over tradition and what is clean and what is not clean and, and how, uh, you know, he was showing them how God looks at the heart. But then Jesus goes out from there, verse 21 says, he leaves and enters the area just outside of Israel, the areas of Tyre and Sidon. Now, this is the only time during Jesus' ministry that he steps outside of Israel in his life, other than when he was taken by his parents as a child down to Egypt when Herod sought to kill him. So why does Jesus step out of Israel into the Gentile country that is considered unclean by the Jews? Well, because he had a divine appointment with a Gentile woman, a mom who was at her wit's end, uh, not knowing what to do about a little girl. She was on her way to meet Jesus, but in all reality, Jesus was on his way to meet her. 
In the same way, whatever it is you're going through this morning, Jesus has a divine appointment to meet with you, to be there for you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus loves you. He wants to enter your shattered world and give you his peace and his direction as you cry out to him. Now, this woman coming to Jesus was no easy task. I mean, she had to overcome great obstacles to meet with him. And I think that can be true for all of us as well. Oftentimes, so many things get in our way as we try to set apart that time of just spending with the Lord and, and, and meeting with the Lord and, and reading our Bible. You know, you sit down at the table in the morning and you open your Bible and, and all within about 30 seconds, the kids are up and wanting your attention and, and, and the phone is rung three times, the neighbor's dog is barking like crazy, and now someone's at the door. But had you got up and gotten to the table and just opened up Facebook, flesh book as I like to call it, you wouldn't have any interruptions. Why? Well, because Satan is going to want to put every obstacle in he, that he can in front of you for you not to meet with Jesus. That's why no matter what, you don't allow him to get that foothold in. Off goes the phone, back in bed goes the kids, and you go for it. You get in the Word. Now, as I said, this woman, this mom had to face many obstacles to meet with Jesus, but she didn't give up. Let me point out three obstacles that, that could have gotten her, you know, discouraged and, and, and turned away. The first one, her nationality was an obstacle. She was a Canaanite, uh, a Gentile, a non-Jew. Over in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 26, we're told that this woman was of a Syrophoenician race. That is, that she, she spoke Greek. But Jesus had been sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and, and we know that, that from our studies of Joshua, the Canaanites was a part of the cursed people. They were part of the world separated from God. In the Old Testament, they were the people that Israel was to destroy when they came into the land of Canaan. Now, she could have said, well, you know, what's the use? Jesus would never listen to me. I'm a Canaanite. Why even go? And it could have discouraged her from going. In the same way, maybe you could say this morning, why would Jesus listen to me? I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I've been not living for Him. Maybe this morning some wives or moms are feeling the same way. You think everything seems to be against me. You can think, well, I could really, I could really live for God and things would be better if only I was married to a godly man. I'd be a better wife and mother if my husband wasn't such a Canaanite. But you see, you need to look to the Lord today as this woman did. Don't let the obstacles get in your way and realize that what Jesus said in John 6, 37 is for all of us. Jesus said, all that the Father gives to me will come to me and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Remember that verse as we go through our study. The second obstacle that this woman faced was she was a woman. That was an obstacle in and of itself because in the Jewish culture, it was a predominantly male culture. In fact, it was ground for divorce to find your wife even talking in public. There is a distinct line drawn as to what a woman and man could do in public. And in fact, a man was not to speak to a woman in public either. Now, one commentator had brought up the fact that during that time, they had the, the religious leaders formed a group known as the bruised and bleeding Pharisees. And he writes this, when the Pharisees would walk the streets or in the marketplace, if they saw a woman, they would cover their eyes the results were they would walk and crash into things. They would sit around then comparing their scars, bumps, and bruises and would say, look at Rabbi so-and-so, look at that bump. What a man of God. Now, you know, they did it for, you know, to look holier than now, but I'd have to admit we could probably use a few more bruised and bleeding men of God who refused to glare or have a wandering eye towards women. 
Not because they seem holier than thou, but because they don't want to give into their flesh. All that to say that culture that, that time made it unacceptable to even talk to a woman outside of the home. But that's what makes what Jesus did so special. Jesus broke through the culture and traditions and spoke to this woman. But what also is so amazing is that this woman had enough faith to come and speak to Jesus. Many commentators think that this woman was single because uh, she came alone, which is possible. Her husband's not named. It could be like so many homes today where one of the spouses reaches out to follow Jesus and they have to do it alone. Sadly, more often it's because the husband hasn't taken the leadership role in the home that God has designed him to have. And so the woman takes on the responsibilities where the husband should have them. Whatever the case, as a single mom, God understands and you need to keep close to the Lord and to, and to other brothers and sisters in the Lord. But, but this brings us to the third obstacle that this woman of faith might have uh, faced. And that was, she's a hurting person. She's a hurting person. She was hurting because verse 22 says that the mom says to Jesus, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. The word for daughter there is literally darling little girl. This was her, her darling little girl, her pride and joy. It says she was severely demon-possessed. Not just, you know, you know lightly demon-possessed. Severely. This was extreme. This demon had made her extremely sick. She was under the control of demons. She was controlled and possessed by this evil spirit. And I read that, and I think if our children today are being ripped off by the devil as well, as he seeks to control our kids, Satan's influence in this world is coming against our children like never before, and it's repulsive. And I would strongly encourage you as a parent, if you allow your child to have a cell phone, you do so with strict limitations, very limited, if not at all, not, not at all Internet access, maybe a flip phone. According to GuardChild, a company that blocks pornography on the Internet, they compiled a list of child Internet statistics from different agencies. And here's just a few. 44% of kids between the age of 12 and 18 have said they've watched something online their parents wouldn't approve of. The largest group of those accessing Internet porn are children from the ages of 12 to 17 years old. 70% of kids ages 8 through 18 have accidentally encountered online pornography, often by just entering an innocent search term while doing their homework. Same statistics that 21% of kids kindergarten through second grade have access to cell phones and have access to, to the Internet. You know, when the Bible says that Satan is the God of this age in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, and that we're told that he is the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians 2.2, 2, it only stands to reason he's going to use the airways, the wireless internet, to gain access into our kids' minds. And we as parents need to be aware of that. We need to be on our guard for our, on our, guard for our children. Satan is out to get them. I believe no parent should let their children have open access to the internet on their phones or on their computer, period. Because Satan knows if he can get them hooked at an early age, he's got them. And many moms, many parents, many families are in the same place as this mom was, a family that's falling apart because of the influence of Satan, of the devil. But you see, Jesus is our great hope for the family that is falling apart. He is our peace. And that should drive us to our knees. We should be pouring out our hearts to the Lord over our children, praying for them constantly. Like this mom who is hurting, cries out to Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord. You know, when you're a parent and your child is hurting, Man, it hurts you. You would do whatever you can to, to trade places with them. Now, I need to point out that there are some things that our children get themselves into that we need to let them work out for themselves. 
That doesn't mean we don't pray. We still need to go to Jesus uh, with our request and pray that he'll work, work some things out. But, but sometimes our kids get themselves into situations and they've got to realize the consequences of their sins. But again, notice verse 22. This mom cries out and says, Oh, Lord. So uh, she, she recognizes him as Lord, who he is. She says, Have mercy on me. She came in humility to Jesus Christ, acknowledging him as Lord. We need to remember that. James 4, verse 6 and 7 tells us, But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. See, although God has abundant grace to give us to help us in any situation that we face in this life, grace for any attack that the enemy can throw at us, there's still no room for pride. How this woman came to Jesus demanding what he needs to do, as you see sometimes on these these televangelists, and, oh, Jesus, you need to, and you need to. I'm thinking, man, he doesn't need to do anything. Had this woman come to Jesus telling what he needs to do, I don't know if, she, I think she would have walked away very disappointed. But she comes in humility, hurting over the condition of her daughter, humbled herself before the Lord, not letting any obstacle of who she was, a Gentile, a Canaanite woman, or mom who's hurting, stop her from coming to Christ. Again, how often do we let little things keep us from coming to the Lord? How often do we allow the devil to work in our lives to keep us from coming to the Lord? Again, James, James says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, if you've ever, ever had a hard time coming to a Bible study, but didn't let that obstacle get in your way, I commend you for it. You didn't let it stop you. You didn't give in to the pressure. You said, you know, I'm going to go no, no matter what. Because if you would have gave in to that, let me tell you, the pressures would be there over and over and over again. Because Satan, he, uh, you may not know, he's not omniscient. He can't read your mind or see into your heart. So he's solely dependent upon trial and error to see what works in your life. Now, he's very good at knowing what works and what doesn't because he's been around a long time. And so if he sees your kids acting up before church and it causes you to, to pull back and stay at home, Guess what's going to happen week after week? Those kids are going to be acting up week after week. Maybe it's work. If he knows that he can tie you up with work and that he will keep you away, then no doubt there's going to be more work for you to do than you know what to do with. See, I'm convinced that many people experience a necessary hell in their homes or trials in their lives because they don't understand what James says. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Many of you know that, that before pastoring the church, I was a mailman for 17 years. And uh, in those 17 years, you know, I've developed not a very good affection for dogs. I got dog story after dog story, and, and, and I'm not a big fan of dogs. And you guys probably already know that. I admit my, my daughter Laura's dog, Bentley, he's, he's okay. But I recall years ago, Walking, uh, walking route, walking by a fence. It's nine o'clock in the morning, and it's a beautiful day, and a beautiful spring day like today. And the birds are chirping, and it's quiet. And suddenly, from behind this fence, <laughs> man, the, the, my mail went flying, the satchel went flying. I, I jumped a mile, and and I would have to say that that was the one time I misused my can of pepper spray. <laughs> yes, the dog was behind the fence. And yes, it couldn't get to me, but, but the spray got to him. See, after that, we had an agreement. He wouldn't yap at me, and I wouldn't spray him again. We had a, this one ride I was on. They had a, a pit bull, and, and he used to chase after the tires and try and bite the tires and, and bark. But we had pepper sprayed this dog so many times that as he hears the, the brakes of the truck pulling up, 
the dog starts rolling around in the grass, rubbing his face in the ground to try and get the pet. I mean, if it's sprayed it yet, the thing's rubbing, you know, rubbing around in the ground like that. Again, not a fan of dogs, but the problem was that these dogs thought that they were keeping me away from their house, that they could chase me off. And they would yap and yap and yap over and over again because they think it works until they, you know, got a shot of pepper spray. Suddenly we have an understanding. It won't yap at me and I won't spray it. Listen, Satan is the same way. The Bible says that when we see him, we'll say, is this a little yapper that who once troubled the whole earth? And that's Tom paraphrase. Isaiah fourteen sixteen. How can we stop him? Pepper spray him. No, not exactly. We stop him by resisting him. Draw near to God. Submit to God. Say, God, I will not allow anything to get in my way of maintaining my relationship with you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Just as surely that little yap yap dog flee from me. You see, this woman was drawing near to God and wasn't going to let these obstacles get in her way. She came in humility uh, to Jesus Christ. She had faith that said, if I could just talk to Jesus, she knew that he would do something. That's faith in action. So she comes to Jesus in verse 22 and says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, how does Jesus react? This brings us to point number two, a mother's trust. Look at verse 23. But he answered her, not a word, and his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone up to someone and asked them a question and had them completely ignore you? They don't even acknowledge your presence. Let me rephrase that. Have you ever been to the DMV, okay? Or the DOR, as we call it out here. I mean, it's humiliating to to have someone not even acknowledge you're standing there. You might clear your throat. They don't even look at you. They they don't know eye contact with you. Well, here's this woman. She's crying loudly. Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is severely demon-possessed that Jesus doesn't even look at her. He doesn't make eye contact with her. He doesn't say a word to her. He seems disinterested. He seems as though he doesn't care. Now, the disciples misinterpret Jesus' reaction as a clear rejection. I mean, they were bugged. They're saying, Lord, get rid of her. This woman's bugging us. Peter was tired of it. James and John says, come on, Jesus, get rid of this woman. Great examples of long-suffering, right? But you see, Jesus was teaching them as well. Because here's what really was happening. Jesus, being God, could see in this woman's heart. He could see that she had great faith. He was going to give her that opportunity to demonstrate that faith. He wanted to use her as as an example for his disciples who were so often lacking faith. And so he's he's trying to teach them and in turn us how to walk in faith. So the disciple says, for she cries out after us. In other words, she kept on crying out for help. Listen, no matter what the circumstances of life may be, no matter what others have done to you, you never have the option of giving up and not fulfilling your responsibilities. We still need to look to God, even though it may feel as though no one is listening. We need to, to trust Him and keep knocking and keep seeking and keep asking. Even though it says that Jesus answered her not a word. Why? Because Jesus already knew that He would heal her daughter. Jesus wanted to draw out her faith even more. Paul writes in Galatians 6, 9, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Well, suddenly Jesus turns to the woman, says in verse 24, But he answered her and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
And when God sent the Senate, what's to the people of Israel? This is a Jewish Bible and a Jewish Messiah was sent. But he was sent to the whole world to save the whole world. But then she responds in verse 25. Uh, then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. I love that. The simplicity of verse 25. She came and worshipped him. I mean, she may have had all these things in her head, what she was going to say to Jesus. She had it all down. You know, I'm going to say, when I see him, I'm going to say, he's the son of David, and how I need help, and how my daughter's, 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 you know, they're possessed. And she had it all down, and she started that out. But then once she encounters Jesus, all she can do is worship him. I think there are many times we're going through difficult situations, and we hear someone pray about the situation, and you think, man, their prayers are so... Amazing how they pray and they use verses to back up. They pray and they, they, they pray just the right thing and they have all the right words to say it. And no wonder God answers their prayers. And, and maybe if I just pray, you know, maybe if I pray like they pray, I'll use the old King James English when I pray. Father, I thank thee that thou beholdest the cries of all thy, thy creation. I'll try that. But then nothing happens. This Canaanite woman was in that same situation. She had the formula. She had the words down. But she fell miserably until she threw that formula aside and came in brokenness and just begins to worship the Lord. Worship works when formulas fail, where words fail. That word worship is proskunio. In the Greek it means to turn and kiss. Listen guys, when you kiss your wives, hopefully you don't explain to her how you're going to puck her up and lean over and give her a kiss. You just kiss her. Because it needs to be spontaneous and expressive and simple and sincere. The same is true for worship. I mean, worship is not a procedure we follow. It's a creative and spontaneous, simple and sincere, sincere response to, to, to the one we're worshiping. This woman was just overwhelmed and she just worships the Lord and then she, she cries out, Lord, help me. Nothing wrong with worshiping the Lord and crying out, Lord, help me. And then she gets this reaction. Verse 26. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now you read that and you go, what? It's a little harsh, isn't it, Jesus? Especially since dogs were terms that the Jews used uh, as a derogatory expression of Gentiles. Now in all fairness, we need to understand that he did use a certain term for the dog that's different than just a dog. There's two terms for dogs back then in those days. The first one described the, the, the manging dogs roaming in packs that, that lived off of the scraps on the streets and, and they were a danger to the people. And then there were the dogs that would live around the master's table, more like a family pet. The little dogs, you know, puppies, you know, is another way of translating, a little puppy dog. Now, we just, a couple days ago, my wife and I were on a walk, and, and uh, I'm walking back to the house, and all of a sudden I feel this little thing nipping at the back of my leg, and there's this little dog, and it looks like a rat, okay? I found that it's a porky, okay? A porky is a Pomeranian and a Yorkie mix, but it maybe weighs a pound, if that. If you're missing a dog, we have it. Come get it. I'll bring it to your home right right away. Little t- and and the thing about this dog is it does this little bouncy thing. It's like, what is wrong with you, dog? And it's just kind of bouncing all over the place. And it really, I mean, wet is probably the size of a baseball. I, I don't know. It's just a little tiny thing. But in my mind, and 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 really, this this is the picture that Jesus is using here. You know, is it good to take a toe to the to the little porkies, little Probably a little dog jumping around like that, you know. See, he's not being derogatory towards her. 
He's not slamming her. You dog, I'll have nothing to do with you. No, he's, he's, no, he's, he's taking a common expression at the time and using it, using it to bring about her great faith. I mean, you can almost see him grinning, you know, the Lord grinning on, on his face. Should I take what is for the Jews and, and give it to the little puppy dogs? You know, it's something like that. And obviously she could see the love and the tenderness uh, that he was shown because I love her response. Look at verse 27. And she said, yes, Lord, even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. I love that. Because it's true. You know, when they were finished eating their meal, they would then rub the leftover bread in their hands and, you know, and throw it to the dogs. That's why the woman answers, says to him, yes, Lord. In other words, she, she agrees. Yeah, the, the Jews hold a special place in God's plan. And, and she saw herself as a, as a little dog. She was not someone special. She didn't deserve anything special. We need to know that. We need to see ourselves the same way. We're, we're dogs. We're, we're puppies that, that are we're at the mercy of one another. We don't merit anything special. We don't merit salvation. It's a gift. There's not any sparkle of goodness in, 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 in any of us. Yet I love her response. She says that even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Just that humility pouring forth from her. Again, had she been a proud woman, she would have stood upon her dignity when she was called a dog and said, how dare you call me a dog? And she would have went away empty. But she didn't do that. She still pleaded for her poor child. Now, parental love and earnestness and humility are good things. But they're not enough to cause someone to cling to Christ and and never let him go. Something more is needed. This Canaanite was a very sensible woman, wise and prudent. She knew how to turn the hard words of Christ into arguments in her own favor. She would not be put back. If he had not answered her, she would have pleaded with him again and again and again. But wise as she was, and prudent as she was, she would not have held out to the end and obtained the blessings as we'll see she, she desires for her daughter had it not been for her faith. Had it not been for her faith. This woman received from the Lord for two reasons. Number one, she came in faith knowing that Jesus was the only one that could meet her need, that he is the Messiah of the Lord. And number two, she came in trust, trusting that Jesus wouldn't turn her away, trusting that whatever Jesus would do would be better than the situation she found herself in, trusting that Jesus knew best. This brings us to our final point, a mother's reward. Look at verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it to be as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I wonder if the, the disciples got it. I wonder if they went, huh? What? You know, who? You know, I wonder if they really understood what was going on. Jesus says to the woman, let it be to you as you desire. And that's called carte blanche. Jesus gives her just this blank check that, that he signs as you fill in them out. Now, that can be dangerous for some people, especially our kids, but, but uh, not for Jesus. Whatever you desire. Think about this, Mom. What, what would you ask for this Mother's Day if you could ask for something? Think about anything. A dinner where you can sit through an entire meal without getting up, without having to wipe up a spill, maybe. An entire day without a complaint over what the meals consisted of. A night's rest, you know, you don't have to get up and fix bottles, change diapers, or calm one of the children. Maybe a phone call from a prodigal son or daughter. Maybe going through an entire day without the kids fighting. Maybe a, a, a son or daughter coming to know Christ. Listen, this Jesus knew what, what this mother wanted. 
wanted her daughter to be made well. And listen, when we ask for the good of our children for the glory of God, that's a good request. Verse 28 says we read her daughter was healed from that very hour. See, great faith will, number one, take God at his word. Number two, great faith does not let go until God meets the need. And number three, great faith can hold on to the smallest encouragement. And there may be someone here this morning and you may say, hey, I've been praying for a long, long time and I haven't received an answer from the Lord with what I'm going through and it's difficult. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you will get an answer. If you, as this woman did, are determined to ask God uh, until he answers, he will answer. Now be prepared. Sometimes God says no. God doesn't always say yes, but sometimes he says wait. But sometimes God does say yes. Either way, keep on believing that he can and will give you what you need and you won't be disappointed. I want to close with this. Jesus gave an incredible promise on how to have answered prayer. He said this in John fifteen seven: If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it will be done for you. Let me put it in another, another way it can be translated from the Greek. If you maintain a living communion with me and my word is at home with you, I command you to ask at once for yourself whatever your heart desires and it will be yours. Spurgeon put it this way. When you have a great desire for heavenly things, when your desires are such as God approves of, when you want what God wants, then you will have what you like. In other words, matching up with what Jesus wants. What do you need from Jesus today? Is it the salvation of a child? Maybe a husband that doesn't know the Lord? Maybe a husband that knows the Lord but isn't walking as closely with him as he should. Maybe it's a mom. Maybe it's restoration between a relationship. Maybe it's something else. Bring it before the Lord. Don't give up. Don't stop praying. Follow the example of this woman. Finally, we've been talking about faith and trust in the Lord, but there might be some of you here that have joined us today who don't know God yet. Maybe your life isn't where it needs to be spiritually. May I strongly encourage you to stop running from God and run to Him. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, whatever sins you've committed, God can forgive you today if you come to Him and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Like this woman, when she she first approached the Lord, she said, Lord, have mercy upon me. That's what we need to do. God, I'm a sinner. I've broken your commandments. Have mercy on me. Listen, God will forgive you. God will forgive every sin. That's why Jesus died on the cross. That's why he shed his blood for the sins of the world. And the same Jesus, when he died, he rose again three days later and he says, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. If any man opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. I will have fellowship with him. Do you want Jesus to come into your life this morning? Then as soon as service is over, you want your sin forgiven, there'll be elders up front who would love to pray with you, give you a Bible, and help you know what it means to follow the Lord. As we close this morning, I want to do what I do every Mother's Day. Do it on Father's Day as well, but for, for dads. This morning we're going to do it for moms. I want all the moms to stand up because I want to pray for you moms. So all you moms, stand up. And then those that are nearby, if you're family members, just put your hand on your mom, or, or that mom. It doesn't have to be your mom. It could be someone else's mom. <laughs> but if your mom's there, you probably won't put your hand on your mom. We're going, to, we're going to pray for moms right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moms that are standing here this morning, Lord, that love you, Lord, and, and, and serve you, and they've done their best to raise godly children, godly families. Lord, we pray right now that you would continue to strengthen them, that you would give them wisdom, 
Lord, your word says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let us ask of it and you'll give it to us liberally, Lord, overflowing. And so we're asking for wisdom for the moms and in dealing with their kids, be it toddlers or teenagers or grown adults. Lord, we pray for wisdom for them. We pray for strength. We pray for, pray for a, a filling of your Holy Spirit, a, a powering of your Holy Spirit in their lives, Lord. Fresh new vision, purpose, Lord, that they would seek to uh, seek you even more so, Lord, as we see how important it is from your word today. And so, Lord, we thank you for these moms. Bless them, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And let's all stand and we'll pray one more time together. And Lord, we thank you for this time this morning, for your word. We pray, Father, that as we go out today, Lord, that we would be examples of what it means to know you, to love you, to serve you. Lord, help us to walk in humility. Help us to walk in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now next week, Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to be looking at, starting in verse 10, we're talking about, you know, how Israel what's going on in Israel today, Iran, what's going on in Iran today, uh, talking about the end of the world, all of that. And so I encourage you to come out for that. And uh, I've given you enough time. We're missing a drummer and a bass player. And uh, as I was saying, um, as a bass player and drummer comes up here,